welcome to the Volva Diaries with host Dr. Amanda Selk, bringing you the 101 on vulvovaginal health. So today we're going to talk about lichen sclerosis, and we're lucky to have Dr. Leslie Sedonik, a gynecologist from Vancouver, here with us. She's the director of the BC Center for Vulvar Health. Hi, Dr. Sedonik. Hi, Dr. Selk. How are you? I'm great. So can you tell us what lichen sclerosis is and what the common symptoms are? So lichen sclerosis is an inflammatory skin condition. It's similar to other inflammatory skin conditions like think of eczema or psoriasis. Uh, Lichen sclerosis can affect just the skin of the genitalia. So vulvar lichen sclerosis is a very common skin condition we see in the vulvar disease clinics. And how do you diagnose it? We diagnose it based on the patient's symptoms and their clinical signs. Lichen sclerosis, it affects the skin in often a figure of eight pattern around the vulva, the skin between the vulva and the anus and around the anus. That skin can become inflamed or red, so sometimes it appears like a rash, or over time the skin actually becomes pale and thin. The thinning of the skin causes lesions such as fissures, erosions, cracking, and these can all be observed by the clinician on the skin. There's quite a marked difference between the skin affected by the lichen sclerosis and the normal skin. Because of these skin changes, women often present with a variety of symptoms, the most common being itch, itch that they actually scratch the skin. It's usually moderate to severe if they're affected by that. They also may complain of burning. Because of the cracks and tears, they may experience pain with sexual penetration. It may hurt when they urinate and or have a bowel movement. Interestingly, some women can have these skin changes and actually not be symptomatic. So sometimes they go and see their doctor just for a pap smear and the doctor looks at the vulva and goes, whoa, there's some changes to your skin. I think you need to see someone. And what should they do when they see a patient like that? Should they start treatment or just wait? That's a good question. So there is a differential diagnosis for vulvar lichen sclerosis, and maybe one of the common ones is just the normal aging that occurs when women go through menopause. Aging and loss of estrogen can cause the skin also to be pale and thin and crack and tear. So it's important that the clinician feels comfortable with their clinical diagnosis before starting treatment. Other differential diagnoses include precancerous conditions of the skin, cancer of the skin, psoriasis, etc. So I think if a clinician is comfortable and feels competent in diagnosing vulvar lichen sclerosis, they could go ahead and start treatment. But I think if there's any question that there's another diagnosis that's going on, they should refer to an expert for assessment before treatment. You mentioned that it can be confused with normal aging skin. Do you see it in people who are not menopausal? Good question. Yes, interestingly, lichen sclerosis can affect girls and women at any ages. So girls, teenagers, women in their 20s and 30s. In girls, it does often present in the classic manner, but in teenagers and women in their 20s and 30s, it often can appear just inflammatory. So just a itchy red rash. And that's a problem with vulvar lichen sclerosis because, of course, women are diagnosed with yeast and are inappropriately treated for long periods of time. So one of the take-home messages is if a woman has daily chronic itch that she's scratching and this is going on for more than three months, to me, a skin condition is the top of the list. 
When you see anatomical scarring, what are the other things that you think about in addition to lichen sclerosis? So there is an overlap between the clinical presentation of lichen sclerosis and lichen planus. So both of those conditions can cause changes to the anatomy, such as first you'll notice a loss of the interlabial fold. The labia minora flattens against the skin and may in fact disappear. You may have thinning of the skin around the glands of the clitoris, and this often will cause the skin to actually cover over the glands of the clitoris, so clitoral phimosis. And then with advancement, the large lips or the hair-bearing lips of the labia may actually start to stick to each other across the midline, and then you get introidal stenosis, where the actual opening of the vagina is different. Now, one of the key differences between lichen sclerosis and lichen planus is that lichen sclerosis never affects the vaginal mucosa unless that mucosa is prolapsed. So changes in the vagina, such as inflammation, erosions, or scarring, vaginal rings, vaginal stenosis, should really alert the clinician that they're dealing with vulvovaginal lichen planus. Right. Like sometimes when you just see the the cervix seems to be stuck to a side wall, for example. Yes. So flattening of the cervix, exactly. Can you tell us if you think everybody needs a biopsy to diagnose lichen sclerosis? So I think that um, for vulvar experts, many of them feel comfortable with the clinical diagnosis um, based on symptoms and signs. However, I think it's very helpful for some patients to have that confirmation that they really do have this skin condition. As you know, compliance with topical medications is quite low. And if the woman has any doubt about whether or not she really has the skin condition, it may be helpful for her to have that confirmed by histology so she may feel more motivated to take the treatment. Also, I think if there is a patient who is not responding to your standard treatment, that should be stopped and a biopsy should be done. And I have to say, I I feel any woman over 60 with an inflammatory uh, vulvar lichen sclerosis or who has erosions or ulcers, I feel they should have a biopsy of the worst-looking lesion to rule out precancer or cancer. Once in a while, you'll get a patient who really looks like you know for sure they have an inflammatory skin condition, but your biopsy or somebody else's biopsy comes back as a nonspecific biopsy. And then sometimes people withhold treatment in those patients while they're waiting to see you. What do you think about that? Yes, that's very common. So there's two common things that I see. First, the clinician starts the woman on treatment. So she starts on topical steroid and I see, and then when the woman comes back in two or three weeks, they do the biopsy while she's on steroid. Well, if she's been on steroid, then that will have already masked the histological signs. So a woman has to be off the topical steroid for at least three weeks if you want the biopsy to make a diagnosis of the skin condition. You can do a biopsy and it'll pick up precancer or cancer. But you're right, there's many women who are symptomatic in the early stages of lichen sclerosis who the biopsy may be nonspecific. If she has clinical signs and symptoms, you can still make that clinical diagnosis. And finally, remember the biopsy is a sample, right? So depending on the size of it, the depth of it, the site of it, you could have a sampling error. Yeah, I just worry about people in Canada, for sure, there's long wait lists to see specialists. And if a family doctor is not comfortable biopsying, that if they withhold treatment, that poor patient is quite miserable for a long time. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. And and so I think that if they feel comfortable, often the doctor, they may talk to you, may send you a photo. 
But yeah, they, if they start the standard treatment and the patient responds immediately, then I agree. I think that's worthwhile doing. So what's the usual treatment for lichen sclerosis? So the standard first-line therapy is a course of superpotent, such as clobetazole, or potent, such as mometazone furate topical steroid. Moderate or mild potency steroids are preferred for pregnant women. There is no evidence to support hormonal therapy, such as testosterone and estrogen. It's important to be clear about the goals of treatment. So with the topical steroid, what we are treating is itch, and we are improving the skin integrity. So we should see a reduction in inflammation, an improvement in the skin texture, healing of erosions uh, or bruising. And when do you usually see them back? For me, if a patient has what I would classify as severe disease, so maybe a woman who's older, she has um, moderate to severe inflammation, there are erosions, she has severe symptoms, or it's having a very negative impact on her quality of life. I usually would like to see her back maybe even in two or four weeks. I'm talking about women who can't sit, you know, they're, they're really distressed. I like to see them back just to ensure that they are compliant with the therapy and that therapy is starting to make a difference. But for the standard woman who is having mild to moderate symptoms and just has a classic atrophic or white skin, I feel comfortable seeing her back in three months. And how much steroid do you usually give them for that first three months? Everyone has a different routine, but my routine is to use mometazone furate, 0.1%. I would ask them to use half a fingertip uh, daily, and that half fingertip, I ask them to cover the whole vulva. Uh, if the perianal skin is involved, then they cover like a figure of eight, the interlabial folds, the labia minora, periclitoral skin, perineum, perianal area. They don't need to put it into the vagina. They just put it on thinly like you would have a hand moisturizer. They don't need to rub it in. And they can do that daily, morning or evening for a month. And then I expect that the itching should be better in about a week or two. And then in the second month, if they've had a positive response, they can go down to every other day. And then by the third month, twice a week. And given that regimen, they should be probably done 30 grams in three months. Do you ever start them on clobetazole? I do start clobetazole probably for that group who have what I say, the moderate to severe symptoms and have significant inflammation. Are there groups that you worry about how much they're using or is it more when you see them in follow-up? How do you counsel exactly what they're doing with the steroids? So well, I think it's very helpful to have a patient instruction sheet because, of course, it's hard to remember to do all these things. For example, one of the important things is eliminating irritants and potential allergens. So reviewing the woman's skincare routine, she's not using soap. When she's not using the steroids, she should be using an emollient or a protective barrier. She's avoiding mechanical irritation. So there's a lot of information you have to give to women. Do you tell them anything about what might happen at the pharmacy when they go to fill the prescription? Uh, because I find that when they go, if the pharmacist tells them, oh, you can't put on their vulva or ask them a lot of questions, then they won't start. Yes, and that's why I think it's very helpful to use a 30-gram jar and say, I want you to come back with this jar almost done in three months. And give them the permission, you know what we say, inoculate against the pharmacist. <laughs> give them the permission about the amount. And when you're doing the clinical exam, I demonstrate. I put some lubricant on my finger. I show them how to apply it. 
I want the woman to be reassured that the advice we're giving her is safe and that if she uses that amount, she's not going to have to worry about long-term side effects. I never write apply sparingly. <laughs> I don't either. I definitely don't either. I I just feel the biggest thing, some of the common things are a steroid fear, Yes. If either from the internet or they've heard it somewhere or the pharmacist scares them. So it, you want to want to do it before they refuse to take it. Yeah. And one of the things I found has really helped women is I explained how the histology actually of lichen sclerosis is that it's thinning the top layer and the supporting underlying layer, the dermis, so that the skin is flattening and that's what makes it fragile. And the steroid actually reverses that change. So that means the steroid actually stops the thinning and thickens that skin. So I say, in contrast, you're always worried about the steroid thinning the skin. Yes, if you applied it on skin that's not diseased, like the thighs, that might be a problem. But in fact, in this particular skin condition, the steroid is actually reversing that change. And that seems to make sense to women that, oh, okay, in my situation, this I don't have to worry about the thinning. And what do you do when they ask you if steroids cause cancer? It's a very good question. So women, of course, will Google vulvar lichen sclerosis and see that there is an associated risk with skin cancer. I try to explain to women that our current understanding is that risk is associated with the inflammation that's associated with this skin condition, and in particular, chronic inflammation. And our current hypothesis is that if we can minimize that damage and minimize the inflammation, we are likely reducing their particular risk of skin cancer. So the risk is quite small, right? It's 1% to 5%. We don't know what it is. Given all the different age groups, it might even be smaller. But I reassure the woman that in her situation, steroid is the only thing that we can find in regards to treatment that probably reduces her risk. So when you see your patient better in three months, then what do you do with the steroids? So when I see a patient, hopefully she's brought in her jar, I can see how much she's using, I can see her response to treatment. So two things are going to happen. One, the patient will come back and feels better and objectively her skin has improved. I feel that um, easily 80 to 85% of patients are going to be in that category, that they respond to the standard treatment. In that case, my recommendation for her is that she continue twice a week, at least for another three months, to ensure that her symptoms remain under control and that she has no further skin changes. She could try and reduce the steroid even further to once a week or once a month, but then people get out of the habit. I found one of the useful things is to tell women to use it like on weekends. If they're only using it twice a week, Monday to Friday, they can use their moisturizer. Saturday, Sunday, they use the steroid. I think that's a great intro to lichen sclerosis. We're going to have you back to do a more advanced talk on lichen sclerosis in some time. So thank you to Dr. Sedonik, again, the director for BC Center for Vulvar Health, talking about lichen sclerosis today. Mm-hmm.